0: On episode 262 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn the 15 lessons from poker that apply to your tennis game.
1: Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad.
0: Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Really appreciate you tuning in. And today I have a little bit of a different episode that I hope you find fun, and this one is comparing two different sports or games, depending on you know how you view the game of Poker And um, I'm sure that a lot of you have probably played cards in your life, and most of you, the vast majority probably don't know that. I've been playing poker for a very long time, whether it was online way back in the day, or live at casino poker rooms. But I actually um, did something that was really fun and went to the World Series of Poker for the very first time uh, last month, I believe, at the time of this recording. And it was really a blast. I played um, a couple WSOP events and a WPT event as well. So the World Series of Poker is basically a festival of poker tournaments that happens once per year in Las Vegas. And I did really well. I played one tournament that was $777 buy-in and I ended up Getting, I think, 700th and 70th place, funny enough, out of uh, 8,000 players, which paid out about 1,400 bucks. And then I played uh, an $800 tournament, again, World Series of Poker tournament. That one I got 900th out of, I think, 3,000 players or so. And I did not cash because usually they pay out the top uh, 15% or so. And then I played a, what's called a satellite tournament that was $600. And the prize for that was that the top 19 people out of, I guess, 184 that registered would get a ticket to a $5,000 event. So normally you'd have to buy in for $5,000, but um, I was able to actually get a ticket through playing that $600 tournament. And then I ended up playing the $5,000 tournament and that was really tough. I would say that was like, you know, if you're a four or five and you're playing against like six O's, <laughs> something like that. So it was a really great experience, but I did get knocked out of that one on the first day. Did not cash that. And then I played a $1,500 tournament, the last uh, tournament for me of the WSOP. And that one was really, really fun. So in that one, I believe there were, now I'm forgetting how many players, there were at least 3,000 players in this one. And I ended up running really deep, which is getting really far and cashing in 92nd place. So it was really thrilling to, you know, almost make the final table, which is the final nine players in most cases. And I cashed in that one for about five grand. So, uh, you know, I have been playing a lot of poker throughout my life, sporadically, obviously a lot more tennis than poker, but I think poker is my first love. But uh, I'm sorry, my second love is what I mean. Po- uh, tennis is my first love, but it was a great experience. And I actually wore my US Open hat like every day that I played the tournament, except maybe the tournaments, except like one day. And I got a lot of people who were asking me about tennis and some of the professional poker players who I played against, they actually played tennis. One guy named uh, Shane Schlager, who's a 3-5. and we were trying to hit there, um, but it just didn't happen because we were both so focused on playing the poker tournaments. And uh, I met some cool uh, pickleballers as well. I know it's, you know, controversial. Some people, obviously, you know, and with some reason, I guess, you know, because pickleball is exploding, obviously, and taking tennis courts, which I don't personally enjoy at all. But, um, you know, they were also um, chatting with me and, Shout out to Hutch, who was a super nice guy. He actually tried to uh, bluff me in a pot and I was uh, able to make a big call. But um, no, he's a great player. And I thought that with all this, um, you know, with all my experience playing poker, I thought I would just try to compare it with tennis. And so I have 15 lessons for you that I hope you find to be really interesting. And I hope that you get to play poker sometimes, obviously not investing your life savings, But, you know, just playing at a normal, um, proper um, level for you in terms of uh, money investment. And, you know, I used to play just like the lowest stakes games, like, you know, put in like $2 and things like that and uh, just worked my way up. Uh, I don't want to get into too much of the details and all that, but yeah, it's been definitely a a fun journey in poker and tennis. So the first lesson that I found from poker that applies to your tennis game, and in this case, I'm talking about tournament poker it's a pretty obvious one. We'll start with the obvious, you know, tournament poker is just like a tennis tournament. Your, your main goal is to survive, uh, both in tournament poker and a tennis tournament. If you lose all your chips or if you lose your match, then you're going to be out. So that's why I really like poker tournaments. Cause they're just like tennis tournaments, uh, in that aspect. And, uh, the second lesson is that you have to really understand your opponents, which is perhaps one of the most important lessons. Like, in tennis, it's obvious, you know, you got to understand the player. Are they, you know, for instance, a baseliner? Are they a, what you call a pusher? Are they serving volleyer? What are their shot patterns? You know, where do they like to go on the short ball? Is it always going to be to your backhand? Is it going to be down the line all the time? What are their favorite and weaker shots? But a lot of people don't realize that poker is also... A game of knowing your opponent, and some think it's just all luck, and you know, going all in, you know, all these things. But you have to know your opponents. Are they a very conservative or tight player? Are they passive, so like you're driving the action, you're betting, and they're just reacting to you? Are they really loose, where they're you know betting a lot and calling a lot? Um, are they really aggressive? And then based on what they do and also their betting patterns, maybe, maybe you can pick up that when they bet small, they have a weak hand. And when they bet big, they have a strong hand. Then you can play accordingly and adjust your own game style. So you have to do that in tennis and in poker, which makes poker really fun. Lesson number three, i know I have a lot of lessons, so I don't want to belabor the points. But number three is that kind of similar building off number two is you have to adjust your game to your opponent. So, more concrete examples in tennis, when you play somebody, let's say who you know is not that consistent, but they go for really big shots, and you know that if you're simply more consistent than them, uh, provided you you know keep the ball past the service line, let's say, then you just want to be more consistent because you know that game style, which hopefully you're capable of pulling off, will win you the matches. Conversely, when you play somebody who is super consistent and You know, just gets the ball back all the time and doesn't really do any damage to you, you want to take control and be more aggressive and not play against their own game style because then they're going to beat you because they're better at that. Conversely, uh, if that's the right word, uh, um, in poker, let's say you're playing a loose aggressive player who likes to just raise a lot and bet a lot, you should tighten up so that you play more premium hands, which you know, a lot of you have heard of like pocket aces and things like that, pocket kings, pocket queens. Um, so, the, you know, you don't want to play very uh, wide selection of hands because it's going to be very difficult, especially if you're out of position, uh, which means that basically like you're not the last person to be able to bet that that's going to be a tough situation for you. So uh, in that aspect, it's very, very interesting and fun to be able to have to Adjust your game according to how your opponents play in poker and tennis. Number four, patience is definitely key in both tennis and poker. And I will call poker a sport because it, I was playing uh, poker basically like, oh gosh, maybe like 12 hours a day. Um, you know, these poker tournaments, they're, they're long, long grinds basically. But patience is so key because just like in tennis and poker, you can't win a tournament. You know, in a few hands or in a few points, right? You have to just go approach it point by point or hand by hand, build up your chip stack or try not to lose chips when you're playing a poker tournament. And in tennis, you just every single point you have to figure out um, what is my game plan here? What types of, you know, uh, shot patterns do I need to execute to be able to win this point? And then when you do that enough times, then you'll win the game and you'll win the, the set and then the match. So you do have to be very patient. I know some very intelligent friends of mine who they simply just cannot play poker because they just want to play every hand and just bet a bunch of chips and it doesn't work out <laughs> when when you're impatient. So that's another reason why it's really, it can really benefit you to play poker. Again, at a reasonable amount, uh, you know, for your bankroll, as they say, then you can transfer that skill over to tennis. I think that's why I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not going to say I'm uh, amazing at poker, but that's why, I, you know, I feel like I'm pretty good at poker um, because, you know, I've had to be patient in tennis and crossovers there with that card game there. And number five is there's no shot clock, which is something that's, you know, fairly unique to tennis. I know there's other sports with no shot clock, but basketball um, comes to mind, um, soccer or football for you euros over here, <laughs> over there across the pond, they have shot clocks. So you go up, you know, six nil, you go up 80 to 45 or something like that. You can kind of like coast and waste time in tennis and poker. Um, you have to, or at least the tournaments, you have to close it out. You have to either win all the chips or win the required number of points, games, sets uh, to win the match or the tournament. Very similar there. Number six, a lot of emotional ups and downs. It, it was kind of funny. Um, my opponents at the poker tournaments did get mad at me for for winning certain pots. You know, some pretty standard spots where. Uh, somebody had Pocket Kings and they went all in and I had Ace Queen and it wasn't that much of my stack, let's say. You know, I had at you know, just to give you some further details, I, I think I had something like three hundred thousand chips and then the my opponent went all in for like maybe like eighty or ninety thousand. And basically you, you, when somebody goes all in like that, you kind of try to put them through a range of hands, like what hands can this person have? You know, maybe they're, you know, they're, they're pretty aggressive. So maybe they're going all in with like pocket sevens plus, you know, plus means just like pocket sevens, eights, nines, tens, jacks, queens, kings, aces. And then they could also have ace, 10, ace, jack, ace, queen, ace, king, probably not ace, queen, cause I have that. Um, but, you know, so you run through that and I ended up calling. And then I was very fortunate, obviously, because pocket kings were ahead, but I hit an ace on the flop which is the first three cards in No Limit Hold'em. And then my opponent got uh, mad. I actually, you know, I said sorry and was uh, legitimately sorry. You know, felt bad. I mean, obviously, I I was happy to win the, the hand, but I said sorry. And then the person said, no, you're not sorry, and just, like, stormed off. And, well, he did say that he was having a tough summer uh, in his rant. So there you go. And then another opponent got mad at me because I... He, had went, he went all in with Ace9, and this was very deep in that other tournament, the one where I got 92nd place, and I had, I think at the time I had like 1.6 million chips, which was super cool to be able to verbalize, you know, I raise 1 million or whatever, but um, I took a little bit of time, he had Ace9, went all in, and I called with Ace Jack, and then he was really pissed off, I don't know why, I think he thought that I took too much time. But long story short, you know, people get mad, you know, for getting unlucky in poker or if they think that you didn't play well, which caused them to lose, which is really stupid because you want somebody to play not optimally so that you can benefit long term from it. So, but sometimes in the short term you may get unlucky. Um hopefully that makes sense to some people here, but um obviously in tennis it's very emotional too, you know, it can be the weather or the crowd or your opponent that is doing things that are maybe not ethical, but not against the rules, or maybe they're against the rules, you know, long bathroom breaks, things like that. So it's good training for for both, you know, the the combination of the patience and then the emotional ups and downs. Also, you know, in poker, if you get unlucky, obviously um, you have a great hand and somebody hits a card on the river or something like that. Like... If you can easily blow up and then just lose the rest of your chips very easily, going all in on very weak hands, stuff like that. But you know the professionals and also the very good amateurs, they understand that these things happen. You know, you still get unlucky with tennis. Your opponent will hit a let cord, and you just have to uh, take a breath and then compose yourself uh, in between points and at the point and and just go again. And um, you know, also in That last poker tournament, I was down to very few chips at one point, Uh, actually several points, and instead of giving up, you just have to um, maintain your composure and try to find the best spots to uh, increase your chip stack. So very, very uh, similar there. And then number seven is weaker players can beat stronger players on a good day. So I would say that definitely poker has more of this, where you can play against a world-class player. Who's much better than you, and then you can just spike a lucky card, or just you can get in a situation where you both have extremely good hands and there's no way that the the top player can fold against you and you just that's how it goes, you know like let's say you have aces and he has kings um, and you both go all in that's really hard to avoid, although some of the best players can avoid that um, situation and fold kings. But also in tennis, you know, sometimes like you're you know, you're a four five, you're playing a five oh or you're playing against a very good player and um you know, they're having an off day and you can take advantage and you can still figure out maybe the one or two strategies that will give them a hard time. And so it's definitely possible and it's it's inspirational too, you know, to play poker and then beat a professional in a hand, uh, or several hands, um, which I was able to do. And, um, you know, that can happen in tennis too. So it's not something where as soon as you play a a better player, like, oh, there's no way I can win this match. You know, you gotta figure out the strategy. Uh, And that's the same too. Like, you know, with tennis and poker, like, again, you know, you, you're playing against a professional and you know, their tendency is to be aggressive. So then maybe you tighten up and then you uh, get maximum value and you play a stronger hand weaker, um, something like that
1: is it's very difficult to make a living playing tournaments
0: for both poker and tennis. Very large fields of players in poker tournaments, especially like I mentioned, you know, one of them was like 8,000 players or 7 or 8,000, you know, 3,000, all these crazy numbers. And so, you know, I have to admit, of course, I did get lucky um, in several hands as well. To be able to run deep, um, and I was really pleased with you know, my performances essentially cashing in, I think, three out of the five tournaments, basically, which was a really good um, result. Very pleased about that. I uh, also played cash games and won some money there, which was great. Um, but you know, same thing. Uh, you know, basically, tennis tournaments you it's so difficult i mean here we're talking about pros pretty much but like they're playing and traveling around the globe and you have expenses for flight and food and lodgings and um a lot of lower level tournaments really don't pay anything they barely cover i think i've seen many times you know these players have held up their their checks for making the semis and it's like 100 euros or you know something ridiculous where it's like you're losing money like that Uh, So it's tough. And then um, with poker, you know, you can play your best possible game and get unlucky and not cash for, you know, 10, 12 tournaments in a row. Actually, the individual who won the World Series of Poker main event this year, which is a $10,000 buy-in, I did not play that, and um, he won $8 million, he actually posted his results for the entire World Series of Poker this year, and he went 10 straight tournaments making $0. So uh, it can be very tough from that aspect for sure. So it's tough to make a living, but if you're really good, then eventually the results will show for both, uh, both sports. Number nine, uh, losing streaks are very common where you don't make any money or lose money. So um, yeah, that's pretty much what I just mentioned here. Um, some of these points build off of the other ones. So uh, again, bad streak or get unlucky in both sports and there's no way uh, you're <laughs> staying above um, profitability. So I won't belabor that point. Number 10, you could tell I have these written down, obviously. Number 10, every single decision is extremely important. You have to keep your focus. This is perhaps uh, arguably even more important in poker. One wrong move and you can lose a lot or all of your chips and get knocked out of the tournament. You know, there was uh, one hand where, you know, I think I played it very well. You know, I think nobody would argue with what I did, but essentially I had a hand um, with two players left, like um, pre-flop. I don't know if, if you, how many of you understand this, but essentially I went all in and somebody had, uh, I had ace eight and somebody had queens. So they called me and I was knocked out in 92nd place. But I re- thought about the hand a lot more later. And basically the person who had the queens and the other person next uh, after him were playing very tight. And I felt like, If I had just raised small instead of gone all in for all my chips and then the other player would have re-raised me, then I could have folded. So basically what I'm trying to say is that, you know, one wrong move and you're, you know, you can lose. And that's what makes, you know, poker and tennis really exciting too, because you have to have your full focus and concentration. Same thing with tennis. I was watching my friend Sophie Chang uh shout out to her she played so well um at City Open uh we're right in the thick of it as, as I record this but um she played with her partner and they were up in the tie break and you know it was they were up like 7-4 and like you know it got to like 8-8 eight, eight all and you know it's just uh her partner just got kind of tight with the backhand return and and you know I, we all do that right but And then she, um, you know, missed the return. And that was, I think twice at seven, four and eight all or something like that. And basically what I'm trying to say is like, when you get into these tight situations, like if you can, if you lose one point, then you can lose the match. And that's the same thing that makes it exciting and things that you, you know, you got to, you have to work on. Um, and, and that's, that's the beauty too. It's like when you get into a tight situation and you falter, then you can concentrate on that and you can say, you know what, like now I'm going to practice like hundreds of backhand returns like in the next few weeks and make it so that I can do it in my sleep. And I'm going to work on my mental game and things like that so that I will make that next time. And um, that's what you can do in both poker and and tennis. Uh, But it, it requires so much concentration. And imagine, you know, that's why I call it a sport. Imagine You know, needing this type of concentration for twelve hours a day, for multiple days. Um, That's that's what that is required for poker. And then tennis, obviously, for you know two three hours, maybe even more. Uh, So that's that. And number eleven is it's usually best to stick to your game and play to your strengths. So of course in tennis, uh, you know, you want to use your strengths and apply them to your opponent's weaknesses as much as possible. You know, just simple example. I have a big forehand. I have a good kick serve. I try to apply those to my opponent's backhand, which you know, one-handed backhand. Let's say, which is weaker and yields more short balls and errors. Um, that's what I do best. Let me do that. Um, hit more forehands, basically. Similarly, in poker, you know, if you're normally a tight, aggressive player, let's say, like you pick good hands and play them strongly, you don't want to all all of a sudden try to play really loose and aggressive and play like tons of hands. If that's not In your toolkit, because then you're probably not going to do well in that regard uh, using that style, and then you're going to lose. So, there's number 11. Number 12 is you meet a lot of really cool people. So, as I mentioned partially, so I met several poker players. I also met uh, Phil Hellmuth, who has the most WSOP bracelets, uh, 16 of them, which is a record. So, he's won 16 of those World Series of Poker tournaments. Um, Also, Yeah, the tennis and pickleball players, other nice people, movie producer, et cetera, at these tournaments simply by wearing a tennis hat. Well, I mean, not just that. I met the, you know, non tennis people, but also tennis and pickleball people thanks to the hat. And then tennis. uh, Obviously, I met so many cool people um, like yourselves listening. Just really love connecting with you all. Uh, Email me anytime and I'll try to respond or, you know, uh, message me on Instagram or Twitter, Facebook. And uh yeah, you know, my friends have uh afforded me uh from tennis have afforded me a great and and fun life and um I've even even gotten jobs thanks to people in tennis. So yeah, it's been uh it's been great. So um and podcasts and summit interviews obviously met some amazing high performance people. So yeah, you can meet a lot of great people in poker and tennis. You know, don't just think about like the image of um card rooms where people are just you know, smoking like crazy and uh, they're all, um, you know, disgusting looking and things like that. You you actually meet a lot of really well-off people. I met several attorneys as well. Uh, And then number 13 are aces are your friend. I love this one. I even wrote a smiley face on my list. So pocket aces are the best hand in hold'em, at least pre-flop. If you play the game, then, you know, there's things like sets and full houses and flushes and straights and all that stuff. Uh, But also, obviously, hitting aces is ideal in tennis. Just wanted to point that out. Number 14, you improve greatly by competing and playing tournaments against both weak and strong players. So in poker, uh, you know, I made some mistakes and lost chips because of them. And I was able to talk with one of my poker tennis friends. Shout out to Sam. And, you know, especially because it was a high pressure situation line for the poker tournaments I've learned from and look forward to correcting those mistakes next time. Similarly in tennis, you know, you play tough players who are better than you. uh, They can highlight your weaknesses, which you can then work on for next time. And even, you know, playing uh, weak players too in both, both sports. Um, Maybe you make a mistake in poker and you didn't extract as much uh, value as, as many chips as you could have, or in tennis, you, uh, you play a weak player and, and you win, but it's a close match and, and you should have dominated. You go back and figure out uh, what went wrong with those respective um, tournaments there. And number 15 is you have to focus on making the best play for every single situation without fear of the results. So this is so important in poker. You, know, you can't think of the money that's on the line when you're making a play. If you are, then you need to play lower stakes or undergo mental game training. This was, will cause you to play scared and make suboptimal decisions. You know, for instance, if I am um, you know in a hand and I'm thinking, you know, somebody bets big, and all of a sudden my first thought is, "Oh my gosh, like if I, uh, if I call here, then I may be knocked out, and you know I, first place is um, six hundred thousand dollars, and I can't do this. Like instead, you have to think about, okay. What is this person likely to have? Like, what's their range of hands, and you know, would they bet this much with this type of hand, etc. Same thing with tennis. I mean, you have to focus on executing, you know, the the game plan, and you shouldn't be thinking about the results. Think about the process. As my coach, shout out Keith Perrier, uh, would always tell me in uh, the team at UMBC tennis. Yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. Whenever I, I thought about the results, I would get tight and then I would lose. And just think about too, you know if I'm talking about like poker and money here, uh, the professionals, you know, they're in the quarters of Wimbledon and they're not thinking about how the next pay jump is like 300K or whatever if they, if they win or lose the match, right? Otherwise, they'll play terribly. So you definitely have to focus on making the best play without fear of the results at, uh, during every point. So that's it. That's my fifteen lessons from poker that apply to your tennis game. And I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, for those of you who don't play poker or this seems pretty foreign, um I I, I was I was gonna say I apologize, but I mean I don't want to say that, but I, I think it's just um it's a really cool game, poker. And again, you know, I have to give a disclaimer that, you know, play poker at your own risk and I highly encourage you, you know, to, if you do try, if you haven't played before, obviously just play it, you know, for free, don't don't invest money into it uh, in the beginnings, just, just learn it, you know, at first. And then when you do play, just play very small games, you know, maybe play a tournament with a buddy, you know, you each chip in like uh, five bucks um, just to put some uh, seriousness into it and then analyze your play. And then just build up from there, so that's that's one way to go about it. But I actually have a lot of friends who play poker. Johnny V, I'll call him. Uh, Sam, Paul H, you know who you are. Um, you all play a lot. So I'd love to hear from you if you do play poker as well. But yeah, again, I hope this was a fun crossover episode. I know you know, maybe some of you have seen poker in the title and you just uh, probably click away or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, but I really enjoy the game, and I think there's so many life lessons you learn from it. I mean, again, my top ones are mental game and uh, emotional ups and downs, and i um, trying to play within your means as well, and analyzing opponents, and uh, when you're competing, it's just so much fun to compete in a tournament where you're trying to be the last person standing, and then learning from mistakes, like all these things uh, are... Are really great. And I think just the more you do them in other aspects of your life, the better you'll carry them over to tennis as well and vice versa. So, all right, I hope you enjoyed this one. Time to, for me to go to the City Open, which is my hometown tournament. Uh, oh, one crazy story too, by the way, before I leave you is there was actually a stampede while I was playing that last tournament on the first day. I made it to the second day uh, uh, but uh, at night. But the first day at night, uh, there was a threat of an active shooter, which turned out, thankfully, to not be anything. It was a false alarm, but um, somebody in the room, or security, or something, like mentioned that there's an active shooter like around the strip, and then all of a sudden, everybody, like probably yeah, several thousands of people in the ballroom where we were playing the tournaments, they got up, and luckily, I was near the exit doors, and I kind of got down. Uh, thankfully, I do quite a bit of, um, you know, staying low uh, when I do my side, uh, side shuffles. So that helped a lot. Like I stayed low and just sprinted out of there. And it was a very harrowing experience, if that's the right word, really scary. But thankfully, nothing happened. And we came back and, you know, continued upon our business. Well, actually, we ended, ended for the night because it was like 1030. So we ended at early and came back a bit earlier the next day. Um, anyways, uh, that's it. Uh, sorry, uh, another little story for you, but with that, if you enjoyed this episode and I hope that at least a few of you did, <laughs> I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the tennis files podcast and you can do that in your favorite podcast app of choice or by going to tennisfalls.com applepodcasts slash apple podcasts and leaving a, a rating or yeah, sorry, subscribing, or you can leave a rating too. And also would love to leave you with a quote, as I often do, at the end of the show. And this one is by Benjamin Franklin. And Benjamin said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Uh, Love that quote. Love that quote. Um, So yeah, I hope you all tune into the City Open this year as well. It's a really good tournament. Another last side note is I went to the Players Party It's Taste of City event with my dad. And uh, as you probably know, Will Hamilton from Fuzzy Yellow Balls. And some other friends, um, shout out to John S as well and Alex C, but we, uh, yeah, we had a good time, uh, took pictures with Benoit Paire, Andre Rublev, Rohan Bopana, uh, Prakash Armitrage is a big personality in Tennis Channel. I think Diana Yamstrinka was there as well. Um, and Teresa, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting her last name, but she's a great player, top 40 and has really cool tattoos. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that was super fun, so um, I know they have that in in New York, and they're not paying me for this. Uh, it is actually quite expensive, but can be worth it for you tennis fanatics, so um, maybe check that out uh, too. it's like taste of taste of city was this one and I guess taste of I don't know maybe New York or taste of u s open a bit a few days before the u s open so there you go. just want to let you know that it was really fun and if you want to see the pictures from uh, that event you can go to uh, my Instagram page—it's uh, tennis so tennis period and files—and you'll see me with Benoit and um, Andre. Was very nice. They're both super nice, actually. And Rohan and Prakash, etc., and Will, so uh, and John as well. So, all right. Uh, have a great one, and wish you the best, and keep improving your tennis game. Time for me to go to the City Open now. Have a good one.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.